0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mdiwa Gavaza, and for today, we have quite a fascinating discussion uh, that we have on hand, uh, talking to one of the largest technology companies um, in the world, that is Cisco. Um, if uh, by my estimation, they should be the largest computer networking company in the world. And uh, we're just going to be having a conversation just around you know, some of the trends uh, that they are seeing um, you know in the technology space but more specifically how are they responding you know to the current economic environment uh, we understand that technology companies you know are very big drivers of economic um, you know activity and growth you know around the world how is Cisco thinking around these issues um, Cisco has been you know in South Africa for a number of years and uh, they've had a number of investments around you know upskilling um, you know education and that type of thing and we're going to be having you know all of the those, you know, different themes um, interwoven in today's discussion. And you know, for today, you know, we're very uh, honoured to have uh, Fran uh, Katsoudis, who is uh, the Chief People, Policy and Purpose Officer over at uh, Cisco and this is Cisco Globally and uh, she's going to be talking to us just around, um, you know, some of these issues. Fran, greetings to you today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: No, thank you so much. Uh, And especially because uh, Fran is in the country, um, you know, at the moment, you know, visiting us. Um, I last spoke to Fran maybe two or three years ago before the pandemic even. And, you know, a lot has transpired, you know, uh, since that time. Maybe you could give us a sense, Cisco. A lot of people, particularly in the business and technology world, know what Cisco is about. Uh, maybe getting into, you know, people, policy, purpose, um, your role specifically over at Cisco. Um, we've heard Triple P being in t- implemented in different ways um, across uh, the business sector. Some people use it in sustainability around, you know, people, planet. Uh, you know, profit. Some people use it, I think, in marketing, promotion, you know, all of this stuff that they do. Uh, so, how are you guys, you know, uh, looking at, you know, your people, policy, um, you know, and purpose?
1: So, the first thing that I would say is our purpose as a company is to power an inclusive future for all. And so, what that means is we have this belief and this understanding that our technology will play a very significant role and helping to digitize communities, to address the digital divide, um, to drive inclusion in everything that we do, um, to engage people, both our employees and the communities, um, in a way that digital skills truly bring us forward. And then the last thing that I would say is that one of the biggest areas of focus that I don't think we talked about the last time we were together was all about sustainability and how our technology can help our customers meet their own goals as well. And what we see is there's such an opportunity for us to build technology in a way that will be um, helpful to our customers and that's a big priority. The last thing that I would say is when our employees um, see the innovation, the technology, when they see the desire for us to help make the world a better place, That drives engagement for them as well. And so I think the three P's come together in a very powerful way.
0: One of the things I'm quite curious about, you know, um, is, I guess, uh, the, 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 the purview that you have, you know, in the company, uh, right? Because, um, in other aspects, you know, some would, you know, look at it and say, um, you know, this is uh, a global, uh, role. So, you know, sort of heading up the human resource function. You know, um, in that company, but what I'm curious about is, you know, my dad, you know, is in, is in human resources. And I remember about 10 or 15 years ago, he was known as a personnel person. And then there was a shift and it was now human resources. And I remember he sat me down, and, you know, this whole conversation about, no, there's been a shift, you know, it's no longer personnels now, it's now, um, you know, uh, HR. But now there seems to be, you know, this, uh, you know, other focus on people. Maybe you could just quickly, you know, as a follow-up, uh, just talk to us about that evolution in that space.
1: Absolutely. So the first thing that I would say is right now, I think companies around the world understand that their people uh, are the most important and the most critical resource that they have. It is the future. And, and if you want to be successful, your people have to feel committed and engaged. And so that focus on people and the experience changed the human resource organization. I remember um, about I want to say six years ago, my title went from chief human resource officer to chief people officer. That was a huge transition focused on the experience of people, the engagement of people, and the realization of the connection to innovation. So I think that has been a big shift. When you look at what we've been through over the last few years, What is elevating now, of course, is this focus on well-being, this focus on mental health. A lot of people, as they went through the pandemic, started to really question, is it worth it? Where do I want to be? So what that did was it brought forward the focus on careers, career paths, different ways of working, not this belief that there's only one way to do your role, the fascinating thing is that my role then changed too and so now I have accountability for real estate Um, and many chief people officers have now brought in to have a real estate role as well Um, because there's this realization that for hybrid work how you look at uh, the space that you have and your people come together in a powerful way I now have responsibility for government affairs because how we intersect with communities and governments is critical to our overall purpose. Accountability now for sustainability as well. And so what I would say is that chief people officers' roles are changing now, because as you look at people in the center, it very naturally ties to other elements of your strategy.
0: It certainly does. And I like the fact that you do, you know, um, mention those different um, elements you know, that are inside there that people are now thinking about. I'm thinking about uh, my generation as millennials and even the Gen Z's uh, issues of, you know, mental health, uh wellness, you know, just having a more balanced life. It's really, you know, come to the fore. And I think the pandemic, uh, you know, people talk about, you know, all of these, uh, you different things, whether we're talking about quiet quitting, uh, the great resignation. And I think, you know, specifically for your role, um, if you could talk to us just around how you guys have responded to some of these issues, because um, I think compensation is a big one, you know, that people, uh, you know, how have you guys responded, and specifically because one, It's technology. So you guys, it's a very competitive sector. And then I think the second piece is the economy uh, that we find ourselves in people around the world this is the one time where you can literally say that the economics are so similar around the world. Everyone is dealing with inflation. Everyone is dealing with uh, higher transport costs, oil, the Russia-Ukraine war, and uh, you know, food inflation. All of these, you know, different things that are burdening you know consumers and people around the world. How have you guys come to the table on that front?
1: So the first thing I would say is, as you go through the list of things that are going on, I think it reinforces why you really do have to start with well-being. And um, I think the most important thing for companies and what we've learned is we also have to understand that every individual is going through different things. And so you can't have a one-size-fits-all approach to how you address what your employees need. What that means is your ability to listen um, and to understand what's most meaningful at any given time um, is the priority and to have this two-way discussion with your people. I'm so excited to be back in South Africa. I haven't been here since COVID. My sense is later today, as I spend time with the team, they're going to tell me all of the things that are not working, and then they'll tell me some of the things that are. But I think there's a role for leaders to be the listeners. Um, We've pivoted some of our benefits based on what employees need. So as an example, we've invested more in mental health. Um, we actually for most of our company meetings have a mental health practitioner that participates and so think about that you can have a question on your business strategy and then a question about how to manage anxiety and i think there's something so authentic about bringing these conversations together as it relates to the very important conversation around compensation um, what i would say and i see this from many companies is um, from a Cisco perspective, we've invested a lot more this year. We know that we had to. And uh, that's both in short-term rewards and long-term rewards for our people. Um, generally, as a company, we lag the industry in attrition by about 10 points. So as an example, right now for the technology industry, attrition is at 22%. For Cisco, we were a little under 12 And we believe that the engagement that we have with our people and we believe that their connection to purpose is a part of why we are lower. And um, I think all companies right now feel like they're on their heels as it relates to um, compensation and inflation and keeping up and being there. And so what that means is that There's a level of agility that we companies need to have. We made a change this year where we took some of the funds out of our bonus program and just put them into base salary because that's one way that we can take dollars that we were going to spend on our people anyway and get those dollars into their hands faster. And so I think that's the type of response that you're seeing at Cisco and beyond.
0: Just as a quick follow up just so that everyone is on the same page when you guys measure attrition, uh, the twelve percent um, is that on an annualized basis like how how is that measured
1: Yes, that's an annual basis
0: okay, so you know right. roughly maybe ten to twelve percent of people you know coming and going you
1: know per year per that's year right.
0: okay, and in the industry, you said twenty two percent that's 20%. quite high
1: it is it 's really high, and if you think about that that 's another really important reason. To stay close to your people and to understand what's most important to them and i think for all of us at different stages of our lives we have different priorities and so companies need to have different paths for your people based on where you are
0: and when it comes to something like that just as a last point on this one is um for you to come up with because that's a very interesting structure that you've come up with because it, like you said it's money that you're going to spend you know anyway but you sort of restructure how it's going to be spent Was that in response to, you know, maybe the queries that people had? Was that in response to, you know, uh, what people were were saying, asking for the pain points, Um, you know, or did you guys sort of sit and sort of uh, preempt to say where things were were sort of going, where the market was sort of going?
1: You're going to laugh. I think it was both. I think we were hearing a lot of concern, and you, you know this, but inflation around the world there are definite hot spots and uh, we see our people struggling in some cases and so what we look at is you know one what more can we do and then how can we make whatever we're doing work better for our people and so i think it was a bit of responding and then trying to be as strategic as we could be
0: Okay. And this is uh the changes that you were talking about, uh the mental wellness aspects, um, the compensation aspects, et cetera. Is this something that is being uniformly going across uh you know across the scope globally?
1: Correct. That's right.
0: Okay, cool. So I guess just, you know, uh moving on, you know, from that, um, and I guess it's related, right? Is the is the reta- is um, there's the compensation uh, piece. And I think you did touch on it just now about, you know, aligning your purpose with uh, what you call this, um, with the people that you have is that retention bit, right? Because Um, money can only go so far. There's all of these other, you know, factors that do come in. Um, And the reason I ask is because uh, just talking to some of the technology business leaders in South Africa, they're saying that that is one of their biggest pain points is to say that um, retaining talent is honestly the hardest part, you know, of, you know, what they do. I guess that speaks to the attrition bit that you, you know, spoke just now, but just maybe any extended thought that you might have around that.
1: Yeah, so I think what we're finding at the moment that's probably different from even three to four years ago is that when candidates are considering Cisco, I see that they've read our purpose report. Uh, I see that they have assessed in their own minds the extent to which we show up in the community. And that's important to them. And so I think the trifecta for us as employers is having this purpose Um, Having leaders that just see people, that build great teams, that help to build careers. And then lastly, I would say for the individual feeling that they're seen, they belong, they're being compensated fairly. And when we get that right, which is so hard to do, it's easier said than done, Um, I think that leads to an experience that keeps your people. Mm.
0: It it sounds in some ways like uh, this generation is interviewing the employer as well, right? That it's like a two-way street. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I I believe that 100%. Uh, A friend of mine says that uh, we're going through this period now, which is the rise of the individual. I think if people believe that the corporations have the power, I think they're wrong. I think it's the individual.
0: That's, uh, you know, quite an interesting, you know, take on that one and, uh, you know, certainly something that um, people will likely be keeping an eye on, uh, you know, going forward. Uh, But, you know, tied to, you know, um, this entire discussion is the fact that for someone to even get into um, a company like Cisco, you need the skills. And, uh, the last time that, you know, we had a conversation, uh, it was around the fact that, uh, Cisco had invested about $9 million, um, you know, at the time, uh, for, you know, skills development in the local market. Uh, and it's always great, you know, to maybe get a sense of, you know, where things are, you know, like well, what's happened ever since then. And I guess if there's, uh, you know, because there's a lot of things to ask in such a situation, you know, where are we? And I think the second piece is just around, you know, do you feel like it's done enough to, you know, uh, create that pipeline into a company like Cisco?
1: I think as we talk about digital skills, there is always more work to be done, absolutely. Um, I had the privilege this weekend of being in Ghana for the Global Citizen Festival. And something that I shared is that in 2018, our CEO, Chuck Robbins, shared a commitment to train five million students across Africa with digital skills and um, we actually met that goal um, one year early. So we committed to uh, training one million learners. We did that in four years, which we're very proud of. Um, and there's more work to do. And so. Part of the way that we have done that is through a very strategic program called Our Country Digital Acceleration. That is the investment of the $9 million that you're referring to, and it is focusing on how we ensure that there are opportunities for learners all through South Africa to get the digital skills required at various levels. Something that was unique in South Africa is that the government wanted to put focus on security which i think is so strategic uh... right now around the world there's a belief that there are over a million security roles that are not filled because the skills are not there and so we have been working on projects like our networking academies We have been working on how we digitize libraries to bring content and skills to people. I think this is probably one of the most important things that we do and we'll commit to continuing to do this. In the next year, Cisco will train three million more students around the globe.
0: When you look at something like skills development, right, I think one of the biggest difficulties is, I guess, anticipating what the need will be because uh, there's a bit of a lag. If you start now, um let's say learning i don't know computer coding because i remember in the 2000s everyone wanted to be a computer uh, what you call this everyone wanted to be a coder of some sort you must learn code you must learn code then it then switched you must learn uh, what you call this big data you know and then switched and then now it's become you must know cloud you must know cloud and you know all of these uh different you know shifts how you how do you sort of um create you know though maybe not even create but i guess Um, anticipate where the market is going to go, because I'm pretty sure that, you know, that's part of your role is, you know, in terms of thinking about that whole skills, you know, pipeline.
1: So the first thing that I would say, and this is for like everyone, regardless of where you are in your career, whether you're just starting or you're 20 years in, the skills required are going to evolve so quickly. And so it just doesn't matter where we are. We're going to all have to be learning, because right now techn- technology is moving faster than people. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's interesting, because even the areas that you just talked about, whether it's uh, data science, whether it's cloud, whether it's security, all of these areas are incredibly powerful and relevant. And so I think from a skills perspective, the critical element for us and for learners is to really get started and then to have that cadence of ongoing learning. The way that we stay close to what's needed, of course, is through our customers. Understanding the issues um, that they're facing, understanding those challenges, gives us guidance to the skills that are required. Um, But I have to say, across corporations at this moment, we all have to learn a new skills taxonomy. We have to make it so much easier. I do think this is going to disrupt universities a little bit too because if you now understand that you're going to be learning throughout your career, um, I think a lot of people will start to come into companies and then understand that the education will come to them. And so we're working with universities now in different ways as well.
0: That's That's actually an interesting one where you look at maybe your tertiary education, university or otherwise, um, sort of as a continuous uh, type of engagement as opposed to I did my four years in college. I'm done. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and that was it. Um, and then I think, you know, just uh, as an extension to all of this, is, you know, people might be curious uh, about whether or not uh, Cisco has capacity, not, even, not capacity, but rather appetite, you know, to further that investment? Because like you said, um, you guys are going to be training more people, but I know that people in this market tend to want to understand what do you guys, South Africa, you know, you know what are the plans?
1: Yeah, so our uh, country digital acceleration program um, is going to come to an end here over the next year. And so, as you would imagine, we're already talking about 2.0 and what that means and what we want is to really have the most strategic arrangement here that can drive digital skills and job creation. That's something that we're so invested in. Uh, One of the great experiments that we did years ago that we've been scaling is this concept as an example of these edge centers um, that really help um, these emerging partners uh, build their businesses, and what we have found is When we create these centers, this incubation hub, if you will, with amazing technology, these new businesses can come, they can bring their customers, they can scale their businesses. And so just know that from a Cisco perspective, we're excited about 2.0, and we'll work hard to make sure that um, it's just a huge win for the country and for the company.
0: And uh, I I guess... uh Quite curious to then get your take on, uh, because I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure, uh, that there's a lot of projects that you're working on, a lot of projects that you're funding, a lot of projects that you're spearheading. Um, I think I saw that uh, earlier in the year, um, there was five million dollars that was given to some of the universities, you know, in the United States and the like. Um, anything else uh, of that nature that maybe you'd want to, um, highlight?
1: Yeah, so a lot of the digital projects that we have around the globe at the moment are focused on amazing opportunities, like how we help to digitize healthcare, which I think coming off of the last few years, we understand now how important this is. Another key element is really how we bring uh, more technology infrastructure to schools. And so that announcement that you're talking about um, is how we ensure that universities have the infrastructure that they need to be virtual, to be hybrid, to connect to students more broadly. Um, Another big area focuses around smart buildings, Um, how do we ensure that we leverage technology um, to make our buildings more energy efficient, and so those are the areas where you can look forward to seeing us um, really partner with the country and just again drive uh, significant results.
0: Now, I, I like the fact that you've brought up the hybrid, uh, you know, the hybrid aspect, um, and uh, we had opportunity just a couple of months ago uh, to to chat uh, to the to the head you know, Cisco here in South Africa. And she went into quite a bit of detail just around, uh, you know, hybrid work. Um, and I guess this, you know, tussle that's happening, Um, just talking to different business leaders are, around the country. It's a big thing, you know, um, this hybrid thing, because for two years, you know, everyone was on hybrid work, we must uh, get into the new normal. But it seems uh, that as things have sort of, you know, come back, you know, uh, a lot of the more traditional business leaders are fighting to get us back to that pre-COVID, come to the office five days a week, et cetera. And uh, that conversation was looking at the local context, maybe your take on the global context?
1: It's interesting because I think the context is pretty similar. I think what (laughs) you're describing is what I hear around the world as well. The first thing that I would say is that All of us need to look at hybrid work as an opportunity to bring work forward um, into this next generation. And depending on the work, I think companies can be incredibly sophisticated around what models make the most sense. And I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all here, too. And so at Cisco, the approach that we take is we ask our teams to look at the work, Uh, to look at how they're most successful, and to create the arrangement that makes the most sense. This is not something that we architect from headquarters because I don't think we're close enough to the teams and the work. Um, For our customers, what we know is that what's most critical to them is that they need to have the technology so that the experience, whether someone is home or in the office, is exactly the same. There's a huge inclusion opportunity as it relates to technology and hybrid work. They also have to make sure that um, our people are secure. And so if you're working at a cafe one day or you're working from home, that connection has to be secure. And so a big part of the Cisco opportunity here is to take that worry off the table for our customers. And so what they're left with really is this people and culture opportunity. And um, I think we're going to struggle with this for a little bit. (laughs) I think the thing that will make this easier for leaders is to really use data. Um, I think for those managers that are worried about productivity, all of the measures that we have seen show us that there is not a significant degradation for most Work when you work remotely. And I think that can just help leaders um, focus on the, the right model. And I think the last thing I would say is at Cisco, we didn't feel like we had to get this right on day one. We wanted to experiment and we've done a lot of that.
0: What's interesting is the fact that a lot of the a lot of what you're saying is you know similar if not almost exactly the same as the conversation we had uh, you know with Smangile a few weeks ago uh, But one of the things that uh, you know I am curious to get your thoughts on maybe as an extension to it is um, the data is showing you know that there isn't a lot of you know degradation you can achieve. You know there's a lot of the same results especially if it's uh the type of roles that you know someone can you know work uh you know off-site and all of that but uh one of the big things that people keep coming and pushing back against especially against uh, uh technology is to say but the culture <laughs>
1: <laughs> by the way that's real so this is the fascinating thing we don't have to come into work to do our work, right? But I think we do have to come into our offices for a different level of connection. And um, at Cisco, what we're doing now is we're reconfiguring our offices to be set up for hybrid, which means um, in the past, 70% of our offices were all about the office space and the cubicles, right? And now 70% of our offices are all about the open team space where teams can huddle and work together. And this is a little bit of a shift. And so, what we as leaders now have to do is to ensure that teams uh, are able to really come together in the office for those brainstorming sessions, to celebrate someone's anniversary, to have lunch together. It's a very different mode. And so I think that's right to focus on culture. And so some of the culture will be virtual and some of it will be in the office. But every leader now is an event manager. And they have to think (laughs) about the events that bring their people together.
0: That's actually an interesting point. I was having a, 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 a conversation with a friend you know, just yesterday. And uh, she works for one of the local technology companies, you know, they do systems implementation, et cetera. And what was fascinating to your point is that um, they mentioned that they have a hybrid, but at least once a week, um, or yeah, it, it once every couple of weeks, they have these engagements where you are expected to come to the office, but you don't have to get work done. It's literally just to come have a a big team meeting, and then after that, uh, people can stay for drinks, games, you know, that type of thing. So, uh, you know, it is you know quite an interesting trend.
1: Yeah, I do think that's a bit of the future. And again, I think we have to be open to trying things. And so, I see a lot of teams picking a day where they get together for lunch, and it's their time to connect, to share how they're doing, what's going on in their home lives with their family. Um, And then they know how to get the work done, and and they'll get the work done uh, in many cases remotely, but just finding that balance. And then we know there are some roles where you actually need to be in, and I think the opportunity there is to ensure that you drive the connection, the productivity, and the opportunity for people to have flexibility.
0: All right. So as, uh, as we are rounding up today's discussion, um, I wanted to circle back, um, on something that you said earlier on, which was around, um, you know, careers, career paths, um, you know, mental health, you know, um, this moment that we're in, you know, when it comes to, um, I guess filling the ranks, you know, of companies, you know, with talent and all of that. Um, I guess your advice or your take just on around how young people can, uh, think about or look at their career paths. Um, in our parents' days, and both my parents have been working for the same organizations for 20 plus years. Uh, but when I look at the movements amongst my own circles, um, it's either you're moving a lot internally in the company or, you know, you're moving, you know, out of the company, maybe even circling back. Uh, to the same company that you started with. Uh, Just your thoughts on that as we round up today. So
1: I would say that movement is context. And so whether you're moving within a company or you're moving within an industry or across industries, that context is so powerful for your careers. And I think that's really important. The second thing that I would say is sponsorship and mentorship is critical. And especially when you're just starting, having that person that you can go to to ask questions from a sponsor perspective, having someone in the room who's going to advocate for you, I think is incredibly important. And so that focus on movement and support through sponsorship and mentorship, I think, is a really powerful way to start a career.
0: Okay, so that's been a very fascinating uh, discussion that we're having, um, particularly around uh, some of the people issues, um, you know, in organizations and specifically a technology organization and one that is global and has to uh, be taken into consideration uh, various contexts, uh, you know, from around the world. Uh, But right now, one of the biggest things that everyone is dealing with is, um, you know, volatile economies, um, particularly driven by higher costs of living um, when it comes to transport, food, um, and especially uh, that dreaded fuel price uh, that has seen people around the world, you know, going through the most, as we would say. And uh, just talking about how uh, the likes of Cisco have been able to come in and rejig, you know, some of their compensation. Very interesting, um, you know, how they've decided, you know, to go about it, but also at the same time, how all of that, you know, then feeds into um, the world of, uh, Uh, you know, the world of retaining talent, keeping talent, attracting talent, um, because that is, you know, still a big struggle, um, you know, in the industry. Very interesting statistic that was given is um, the attrition rate, you know, of twelve percent at Cisco versus a twenty-two percent, uh, you know, average, which does show um, that there is a lot of movement. Uh, but that, you know, if you do come across um, with uh, some interesting structures, or at least, um, you know, try, you know, some different things, you can, um, you know, be able to retain your people at a much higher rate uh, that what than what the rest of the industry um, is doing, and then also just chatting about skills development. It's a big thing. Um, you know, wherever you are, technology has advanced a lot of economies around the world. How do you think about uh, today's skills versus the skills that are needed in the future? And I think the continuous learning um, type of thing is something that comes through, you know, as, you know, as a as a big theme from there. And then ending off talking about, you know, what to do, where to go in terms of the career. And I think mentorship and sponsorship um is uh what we've, uh, you know, uh, is the suggested to say, you might not know what's going to happen in a few years' time, but if at least you have a right footing, um, you know, at the beginning helped by sponsors, helped by mentors and people that help to advocate for you when you're not there is definitely a great thing. So that's been it. We were discussing, we were in conversation uh, with uh, Frank Katsudis, who is uh Uh, the Chief People, Policy and Purpose Officer over at Cisco. Fran, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Thank you so much.
0: And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcasts on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter with hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on IONO.FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Mudiwa Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. This has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight which is a Multimedia Live production. So, from myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning. <music>